Welcome to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for December 14th, 2015. The very first Yopcast in the history of the Brooklyn Poets Yop. I'm your host and MC, Jason Koo. In December, we host a special end-of-year Yop in which we feature a shortened open mic followed by our poetry smackdown featuring the 12 winners of Yop Poem of the Month from the previous year, voted on by their peers at each Yop. This year's finalists were Richard Fine, Nicole Siegelman, Ed Tony, Emily Blair, Timothy Wuchik, Muriel Clifford, Tracy May Fuad, Lars Miller, Laura Plaster, Jonathan Clarence, Sam Coggin, and Arthur Russell. Also on the bill for the evening is our announcement for 2015 Yawper of the Year given to a poet we love both on the page and in performance who is also a generous supporter of other poets in our community. So you will hear not only our open mic readers but our finalists for Poem of the Year as well as a reading from our 2015 Yopper of the Year, as well as the Yopper of the Year from the previous year, Ricardo Hernandez. For more information about the Brooklyn Poets Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org slash event slash yop. If you can't remember all that, just go to brooklynpoets.org. The Yop is held on the second Monday of every month at 61 Local. Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street, off the Smith Street FG stop, half a block away, 61 local. Go into the bar, walk past the bar, go to the door towards the back, marked events, go up the stairs. It's $5. You get a workshop, you get an open mic. Every month we have a different teacher. It's an incredible deal to sign up. Go to brooklynpoets.org slash event slash yop. Our next yop comes your way on Monday, January 11th, 2016. The teacher of the workshop will be Cynthia Cruz. The teacher for our December 14th yop was the great Bill Zavosky, who leads off the open mic. So without further ado, let's have a listen. How's it going? Are we all significantly inebriated? Not yet. Well, then you might need to work on it. Welcome back. This is the Broken Poets Yomp Open Mic. It's great to see so many people here. Great energy in the building, as they like to say in Cleveland when they're winning, which isn't often, unless you're on the team with LeBron. 
We have an exciting lineup of poets. We have the open mic, followed by the poem of the year contest. What you don't know tonight, except now, because I'm about to tell you, <laughs> is that we are recording tonight. Oh. I mean, don't get too excited. We'll see how we'll see how the quality is. I slapped this together in about 20 minutes today before the event. I've had this equipment for, for many months. You can see this feedback. We never have feedback until the night I try to freaking record. What the fuck? I don't understand. It's like because I'm from Cleveland that that happens. But we are recording. Uh, our hope is that we can do a podcast of the Yop every month so that we can showcase all of these fantastic poets. We'll see how it goes. We might need to buy better equipment. Uh, so perform well tonight. Try not to massage the mic too much. Where's Ricky? All you people that move the mic, if you move the mic, you will not be recorded tonight. So you might want to read into the mic tonight or just not be in the recording. That's fine. Um, so just, you know, keep that in mind. Okay, so without further ado, remember, uh, the people that are performing on the open mic tonight usually get three minutes. That is changed tonight. You only, well, you have three minutes, but you only get one poem. So please do not be like, okay, oh, can I do one? Because you can't. <laughs> if you try to do another, I will just come up here and just shove you out of the way. And it will be very embarrassing for the both of us. Uh, so just read one poem. We do have a short open mic. Even the people that participate in the contest only have one. Everyone has one poem tonight. So it's like, read your best poem. Don't read your, don't read that poem you wrote on the subway on the way here. I know some of you do that sometimes. Which is sometimes good, but probably not as good as your best poem. <laughs> you know? Why do we think that's our best? I know I've done it too. I'm like, damn, that's so good, but it's not. It's not your best poem. You can't know that until like a year later, probably. So don't think it's your best poem. Anyway, it might be, but you know what I mean. Read one poem, make it your best, and uh, we're going to get started. So, first up on the mic is that teacher that you just saw, Bill Zabowski. Give it up for Bill on the radio, how it brings you back. Too young for a legal drink, we would sneak to the alley behind the bandstand at Patty's, bobbing our heads in time, finger-popping the beat, to hear you blow through the back door, anywhere the management looked the other way at teenage hipsters sipping expensive Cokes, bent on digging jazz. The Red Galleon on the Post Road or the showboat you played so often in Bridgeport, our hometown. Your friend, my teacher, Tony Guzzi, would lean back from the keyboard and set me straight on local history. How your name really was Royal. What a fantastic pitcher you were as a kid, but had to stop throwing because of your heart. You were the biggest name in the workshop band that rehearsed on Monday nights at Bill's Castle, factory workers, high school teachers, house painters, our heroes, the jazz giants. And when you slid from your seat to solo, cool, your jaw shot out at an angle as you blew tier upon tier of notes, we all went nuts. In 62, you went with the giants to Newport. All of us shared the thrill, 
to play if only an afternoon set for the big jazz festival crowds. We young cats followed, Albert, Bob, the three Bills, one at the wheel with a motel turban towel wrapped around his head, high on Cuddy Sark, screaming bop riffs as we eyeballed the pretty girls. When Ted Curzon's sax man was hurt in a wreck, Curzon tapped you to fill in. He had ears. You could make the insane tempos spinning out of gets and suit as they flew forth from the brains and blood of Dexter and Prez, as even those of us who played no horn came out of you. Those deep saxophone breaths, the world flooded with air, like being dipped in pure atmosphere, lungs crying and singing the truth of what it means to lay the heart bare. But no, you couldn't stay. Your worried wife cried. The kids waited at home and the job. What did we know of that? Man, we grumbled. All Steve wanted was to play. Sikorsky Aircraft didn't need another tenor man on overtime. All I wanted then was music, too. I was coming up ten years younger than you. I had my hands on something. One night you called to offer me a concert at Danbury State. You even drove me up there in your car. Al Montecavo on drums. Young Lou Bruno bass, the best of the new players. We did Billy's Bounce, that Charlie Parker blues, and the One Note Samba, and one of your favorites, Polka Dots and Moonbeams, a dreamy ballad you poured your damaged breath through, notes twisting out of themselves like the smoke from your cigarette, the curlicues of subtle figures caught by how many ears in that college gym. You seemed pleased with my playing. You called me back for local gigs, and in the rush or lull of a buffet, we'd slip it up to and buy them for the band. How little you said, your movements precise as your music. Short hair, in dark clothes always, a cigarette dangling, always so intense. When your next break came, you went with Woody Herman, whose new big band was ripping up everyone's years. How long was it that time? Six weeks, a few months, with all the stops blown out. Then back you went, none of us could see why, to the factory line and playing high school dances. At 32, in a clipping my mother sent, you stared from the Bridgeport Post, suddenly dead. What was to blame? Heart, home, job, the popular taste, by then, I'd split to the apple to go to school. I turned my back on the one-night stand, the pureness of going nowhere. I was no fool. I'm still alive. I sit at the keyboard and play whenever I want. In the music we loved, I know I will never be great. I beat my fingernails flat on broken pianos from 15 to 25. Finally, I couldn't cut those changes. Soured on the drunks and silly ladies requesting anniversary waltz that you'd perform so graciously, stopping to flash the band your weirdo eyebrow as you mop the, the dance floor with waves of Lombardo vibrato. Everyone dies of heart failure, my grandmother wrote to say. A homespun contribution to philosophy 
that leaves little room for sentimentality. Somewhere on some ex-musician's shelf, is there one record or tape that preserves the beauty of your horn? Those flashing clusters of eighth notes, invisible, lost in the air of an era when you used to sigh and say, all the kids want is that rock and roll. And jazz was lost again, except for the few. Your beauty went begging, played the cha-cha, played the bunny hop. What I can record of you, I will. American music made at night by a member of the white working class, bacon and eggs at the main line diner later. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. It's nice when a poet has another talent, like playing the piano. What's your talent, Nick? <laughs> I know you have many talents, that's why I asked you. Yeah, he can repair cars, so. Yeah. And airplanes. <laughs> and he's good with cats. Is Safet here? Didn't think so. Amy Pepper. Okay, looking good. Next up is our old friend Bill Livingston. Also yeah. good friend of Bill. started her period first. <laughs> and she would be mortified if <laughs> she knew I was reading this. Telepathically. She better not get hold of this podcast. <laughs> Transition. Surrounded by entourage of stuffed animals, giraffes, unicorns, the occasional penguin, Disney-fied reminders of childhood in the rear view. She climbs down from her loft bed, selects a body spray, warm vanilla sugar, and pirouettes into the perfume mist. Breasts budding like violets, pointing towards a future all no longer controlled. A lightning week has passed. Feeling the transition, she was prepared for the inevitable, well-armed by her mother against the flow of the Crimson River. So grateful it wasn't on a school day. As the sun of body spray hits my nose, the sight hits my eyes, the red and the water, and I'm the curious little boy again, discovering my sister's bell-bottoms, crotch of red soaking in the tub. The white lie hits my ears. I had a bloody nose. Then the whisper of truth from my wife as my eyes widened and well with tears at the tragedy and triumph of growth. Now objects in the mirror are older than they appear. Time was never my friend. There's never enough like a daughter's embrace, and soon I'll relinquish that privilege to an unworthy lover who thinks I wouldn't break him if he broke her rules. All the birthday parties and summer camps, all the art lessons, guitar lessons, gymnastics lessons, ballet lessons, the outrageously expensive dental scaffolding will become distant memories as she grangetes away from the child whose hand is so small in mine. Now is she woman. Now is she woman. 
now is she woman. Ready to bleed on the battlefield that is this life, now is she warrior. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Be sure to make the podcast rated R for her. Next up is a great poet. He comes here every month, which is awesome. Let that be a lesson to the rest of you who do not. Give it up for Daniel Parsons. Yeah! Sometimes the window got steamy from too much heat inside and cold outside, 
and all those blurry bright colors beckoning from beyond look like some sort of dream state. A lot of artists had studios in that building across from the Empire Theater, and so did a lot of pornographers. Back then, the theaters on 42nd Street were in a magnificent state of decay. Jack and I went to see a movie in one of them, and the audience was mostly homeless people sleeping. The smell was pretty bad, and it felt so end of the world right there in what was once the center of the world, or so it seemed. Jack took photos of all the bright lights and decay, and the Hojos in Times Square also had a big neon sign that looked so familiar to us growing up when we did. But you could feel the decay in there as well. <clears throat> you knew the carpets needed to be cleaned, even though the ice cream soda still tasted pretty good. Jack wanted to go places, but I was happy right where we were. I knew it couldn't get any better than that, and it never did. Looking back on all that decay, and even then I was looking back, remembering when I first moved to New York and my roommate was taking acting classes with Jessica Lang. <laughs> Today, Jack likes to eat at the Waverly Inn, where it used to be impossible to get reservations, but now you can, but back then, they didn't even answer the phone. However, Jack had made had a way to make reservations because by then he had gotten places and he knew who to call. No more Hojo's in Times Square for him, even though by then Hojo's was gone anyway. And when it was hard to get into the Waverly Inn, I went with Jack and a group of his friends and we sat next to Uma Thurman and Natasha Richardson. And I helped Natasha to find her scarf, but it appeared to be lost. And she said, thank you, with a slightly British accent. And recently I was having brunch with Jack and his friends at the Waverly Inn and we were remembering when Natasha was alive and now Marilyn is dead. We were all friends back in the 1990s when Jack had a studio in Times Square and Jack wanted to go places and so did Marilyn. But she ended up as Jack's assistant even though she wanted to be a famous writer. And she just died in a car crash on Crete and Jack had to carry her coffin in Queens. And a few days later we were all having brunch at the Waverly Inn before heading up to see the Stanley Whitney show at the Studio Museum in Harlem. Those paintings are to die for. Thank you very much. Thank you, Del. Can I just put in a request to hang out with you and Jack? <laughs> I would love to meet Jessica Leg. That's like my biggest Hollywood crush. Care about the age difference, it's fine with me. <laughs> um, I was just reminded that uh, we also have to vote on the poem of the night for this night, you know, looking towards 2016. So, what happens is, uh, if, you know, during the open mic, a poem you like is the best poem of the night. Uh, you can message me tonight. We're actually going to use, God damn this thing, tonight we're going to use uh, text messaging. I'm going to give everyone write this down or just put it in your phone. <laughs> I'm going to give you my phone number. God help me. <laughs> Please don't send me any late night drunk texts. Or actually, do that. That actually sounds good. Do that. Just don't send me any uh, mid-afternoon texts like asking me for help. That's the kind of shit I <laughs> Don't ask me for professional help by cell phone. But if you want to text me at 3 in the morning because you're drunk, that's totally fine. I will gladly welcome that text. So the number that you're going to vote on is 718-374-1953. You don't have to reveal your name. You just have to reveal the poet who you are voting for. So uh, there are separate votes. It might get a little confusing. We are in the midst of the first vote for the poem of the night during tonight's open mic portion. We have heard from 
You can't vote for Bill, unfortunately, because he's already famous. So, you know, fuck him. <laughs> I don't really mean that. But you can vote for Bill Livingston, Daniel Parsons, or Del Lemon, who you heard so far. Okay? 718-374-1953. Or if you forget that, you can just Facebook message me or email me. That also works. Or you could talk to me. What a way. <laughs> okay, uh, does everyone have that? 718-374-1953. Uh, next up is Steph Kentier. Next. There's the man. Uh, next up, please give it up for a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. Chris Roberts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, um, hi. This is trying to mind my business. The noise upstairs seems indiscriminate and blurry when it finally gets to me. Coming across without a word intact. Whose voice is this? My uninvited guest is much too loud to think of something else except for what is said, and this makes sense. The boy downstairs is always jerking off. He thinks that people care or that they hear. He seems to think he knows about the world. I hear my first and last name. Good and bad things sound the same. Why mention me at all? I want to be anonymous, but not even the more except by every neighbor here. At night, I fall asleep to gossiping. I whisper to myself that that's enough. I yell and pound. My bedroom walls collapse. They hear me doing this and wonder why the guy next door is such a fucking dick. Some nights, I bring a woman home. The noise past 12 a.m. shakes up the calm outside while music blasts. No framework through the shade. Thank you, Chris. Is Rachel here? Rachel Corso? No? <laughs> Ricky always knows. Kate Meehan is right in front of you. Okay, next up is Kate Meehan and, and company. Okay. Give it up for Kate. Scott that this time. The Indian sun tones marigold over batik tangles of skin and silk. The red-dipped kapha quilt, jasmine petals rest inside your mouth. That we are here, I cannot conceive. Outside, a calf bleats. His breath is grass. His brothers graze inelegantly. Cloven hooves sink in chocolate soil. Wet lashed eye to iris eye, amber blasting orbs. They reflect our homestay. Platinum glass, tipping skyward up, upstacking and onward up, it multiplies over urban pasture. So much like is unlike here. In Choice Paradise, Unit 14B, a window slips open. My neighbor begins to nurse her baby girl. Bedecked in bangles, her cold-rimmed eyes cry. In tiny ringed digits, grasp at strange math. Maternal devotion makes a meteoric impression. The child swirls her hands, sips deep, strums a humming orbit of bell song. The junkas in her ears drip with golden timber. But this I cannot see. I awaken since empty. A needle and thread catches in my throat. Keep sketching, catching in the pink, a 
mute and hemming inward, ever swallowing strength. By chance, the auric salt of grace is tumored between my fingers, and it sticks. It sticks inside of 14C, where pollen falls like Himalayan snow. I gaze upward and slanting, my hips to tip lift, eternally up, up and aiding swimming visitors, hopefully intoning that spherical enchanter, that semiotic poppy seed, that baleful art of incidents yielding only crimson linen and the want of plush pink lines, want of two and not one, falling flat flat across the white felt window. And no, it's not this time. <clears throat> Time again, it falls behind me naked, cross cold floor, uh, cross cold floor cruelty after bat. The night just got dress gathered, apricot and anemone swills over marble. The vacant apartment, lucite ice, shines behind and cold the naked night. I sit in the sill with a drinking glass, look out toward the backwaters, make silver next time thoughts, since dead, breaking. Deep beneath, the tuck-tuck of motorbikes guttural chugging. The road bends out towards tropical overgrowth. No light yet, <coughs> no sounds, and nothing until the subcontinent leaks with fresh-hatched house gecko, lucent green and shiny. He crosses over from his corner, tick-tick-tick, towards where I sit. His tiny feet climb over mine. You might look up, you might lock eyes, and golden bells ring in my ears. Thank you, Kate. It's dangerous over there, Arthur. Sorry, Jason. That was like a Christmas holiday poem. Felt like a holiday poem. Just did, had that vibe. Uh, I was going to say, uh, for Kate and Laura, anyone else that's expecting, it's never too early for your kids to become Broken Pose members. I'll offer a special rate. <laughs> five dollars a year since they're not gonna come to anything. Oh, we'll just take some five dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean just yeah, just there's a donation box over there, just we'll hook them up. <laughs> uh, please donate. It is the holidays. Even if you're not expecting, <laughs> your money is still good. Uh, is Stephanie Lanza Fame here? No. Wow. Such select open mic spots, and half the list did not show up. I mean, yeah. Should we invite them back? Yes. Maybe. Tony's got that look like he's not, no way. <laughs> this is like the second one he's ever come to. <laughs> he's judging them already. Okay, next up, a Brooklyn Poets Yop legend. Give it for Alan Braverman. Of fame. There's a course. 
factor in seeking the ultimate, the red carpet, a parade of celebs strolling the catwalk of fame, slim, manicured, and tinted, well-coiffed actresses in designer gowns, blood diamonds, and bought-up bags, accompanied by handsome thespians in expensive suits, all being stalked by the ever-present paparazzi. Reporters from Entertainment Tonight, Fox News, CNN, Glamour Magazine, and tabloids in general, wanting the exclusive interview mic in hand like a dagger to penetrate into the lives of these somewhat elusive characters, and suddenly hearing a voice proclaiming the following, there's Lindy Lohan, out on bail, here's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, as well as J-Lo, and what a surprise, Matt Damon, Damon wearing many... Uh, Many wearing buttons, ribbons, and wristbands, trumpeting causes, the war in Afghanistan, AIDS, world hunger, and global warming, as fans like satellites orbiting these uh, favorites, their favorite stars. I'm sorry. While those at center stage complain about a lack of privacy in a business where being recognized adds to their market value, as the 99% adore the 1%. Waiting for the full-page movie ad, proclaiming their unique skills, portraying others as the rest of us live our lives, live our, out our days in obscurity, earning in a year what a movie personality makes in a day. And I hope there's a red carpet uh, for personalities, a red carpet in real time for resp first responders, truckers, cabbies, cabbies factory owners, factory workers, I'm sorry. Nurses, teachers, wounded veterans, security guards, social workers, geriatric board and, and attendants, and maybe unknown non-laureate poets. While the price of fame for those we raise on that proverbial and shaky pedestal might be too expensive, with the divorce, Betty Ford clinic visitations, car accidents, while under the influence of dysfunctional families, drug addictions, user-friendly physicians and suicide as we mourn their untimely departures and maybe reflect on what the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius wrote in the second century AD. All is ephemeral, fame, and the famous as well. Isn't it amazing that Marcus Aurelius knew the word ephemeral? <laughs> uh, what a great word that is. I studied that for the SATs. About you. My knowledge of it was ephemeral. Uh, was, I got, I was, was it, speak to the vote that is ongoing. I have two votes for an actual poet, and I have one vote for sup. So I don't know who that was, but that vote does not count. You have to vote for a poet. <laughs> don't please don't say that ever again to my phone. Uh, is Judy Schneider here? No, Lauren Delapena. <laughs> Next up is Jenna Martinez Lynch. Give it up for Jenna. She's ready.
knights in Mexico City are trying to tell you something, but the streets of Condesa quiet in protest. All I can hear are my footsteps. The sound is soft over the fallen blossoms. I catch a whisper of a song. A man on a bicycle whistles as he passes me. The rest is heard only by the city. I wonder and listen. I glance up for direction. I try to find the faintest of stars, but the polluted sky has eaten them all up. Thank you. Thank you. Damn, that was fast. I loved it. Uh, is Jay Jorgensen here? No? Amy Hubbard? I don't even know these people, Ricky. I'll, I'll tell you my Matt Proctor? No. Connor Crawford? No. Laura Buccieri? <laughs> okay, we have one more open mic slot left. I'm looking at her. Give it up for Monsa Weeks. All I heard was nude over and over again. I just, just know I was interested. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was good. 
Uh, okay, that's it for the mic. Uh, if you haven't been here before, it's it's short, a little shorter than usual. Uh, if you couldn't be tonight, please come back. Sign up. You can sign up right now on your phone for the next one. You make sure you read. It usually goes for an hour. Uh, tonight we have the special contest. If you want to vote for uh, anyone that you just heard, I've gotten maybe four votes so far. Now is the time to do so. And then we're going to move on to the big prize of the night. 718-374-1953. You could also just put a piece of paper in the donation box. Or better yet, sign money with, <laughs> with the name. Like Johnny Manziel, sign the money and put the vote on. Just not too big, so they still accept the bill. <laughs> we deposit it. Okay, so we have 12 readers. These are the 12 winners of Poem of the Night since last December 2014 when we started this uh, what we think of as like an informal contest. We don't like the Yawk to be competitive, which I think ruins a lot of open mics. We just want it to feel inclusive and awesome, and you know, it's not really about how great your poem is, but at the same time, it kind of is, which is how we all think. Uh, so it's sort of like a little, you know, it's a little prize you get if you win poem the night, you get free admission to the next Yawk. But now, the big marbles, for all the marbles is, I think, what they say. <laughs> big marbles. They could be small. They could be big. You're just getting all of them tonight if you win Poem of the Year. So each of the winners is going to come up and read just the poem that they won during their month. I'm going to try to do it chronologically since last December. Um, and uh, you might wait until the end to make your vote unless you're just so sure, unless you're like the spouse of someone in the event. That, I mean, obviously, you're going to be voting for them. Otherwise, not going home. So, uh, but otherwise, maybe you should wait because uh, the ones at the end are just as good as the ones at the beginning. So, seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. Just uh, could either write the name of the poet or the name of the poem if you can remember. But probably the name of the poet is easier. So, without further ado, our first poet of the night is Richard Fine. Give it up for Richard. <laughs> The store charged $10 a photo and up. They had a kind of history of porn antique value. Mild stuff. Soft pork corn, corn, I called it. Betty and company were almost naked. Politically incorrect, but I didn't care. And neither did the old lady standing next to me, dressed in a threadbare coat, old shoes, and wearing no makeup. She looked intently, almost longingly, at the gorgeous, spanked miscreant draped over Betty Page's knee. But the punished young girl's smile spoiled the effect. The old lady looked at me, looking at her, angrily, then demurely, and finally with a hint of a smile, two smiles, a punished girl's a punished young girls and an old woman punished by time. I took the photo from her hands, gave to it, and handed it back to her in a plain brown envelope. A great deal. For ten bucks, I got a kiss from a pinup girl. <laughs>
Thank you, Richard. Next up, we have Nicole Siegelman. Coffee break my heart. Give it up for Nicole. While you're standing there holding a large cucumber in your hand, 
totally oblivious to my captured stare, I realize now I am a full man. <laughs> Do you tease me? So subtle, so slyly on the side with that slow motion push the cart, feminine stride. Did she check me, checking her out from the corner of my eye? Now I'm feeling the lettuce, so leafy and firm, watching to see when the tables will turn, and you check me, not looking your way. Ooh, the tomatoes, <laughs> the tomatoes, potatoes, potatoes. You sure are my damn pick of the day. Whoa, damn. She just caught me, all smirk-faced and beguiled. I'm going to play this off in the fresh fruit aisle. Now, here's what this test is about to be. Will she keep on coming? Will she follow me? I'm standing here posing next to the perky grapes and the round melons. If she pursues me, I'm the victim. If she doesn't, I'm the felon. Chilling, now staring at the nice ripe peaches. We're going to see the level of game this flirting reaches. Wow, she's still pretending she ain't macking a brother while I'm sweating her like a high school sucker. Oh my goodness, she just grabbed a banana. <laughs> and if she speaks to me right now, I'm going to be about stuttering and stammering. Man, she got the coolest. She's got to be the coolest. She just keeps right on moving. But wait, I just caught that side rise in her lip. She seriously flirted and I'm about to flip. Turning on the corner, uh, what's this, aisle number five? And I'm hot on pursuit with my nice-to-meet-you smile. So let's forget all the coy, later for the shy. We out of fresh fruits, but she's the apple of my eye. Look at that frame and that cute cut of her hair. Wait a minute, what aisle is this and why do I care? Hold up, wait a second, what we doing here? There's Gerber food and Similac and Pampers and shit. And who's that brother with the baby that just gave her a kiss? And oh shit, there go two more kids. That one looks three and that one looks six. And there goes my Mac. Ain't this a bitch? Oh man, brother. That dude just caught me looking over there. Better play this off and pick up some groceries here. Okay, some clowny puffs, some twinkle rice, some cocoa bears. And oh shit, did she just wink and flip her hair? Brother didn't catch it, and now they just disappear. And that's just what I get, trying to be the path mark player. Figure I get her digits and call her up later. I can't help this but smile, because mama's always said to me, baby, don't go shopping for love in aisle number five. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Killed it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough vote. You think it's easy? It's not gonna be easy. They're all good. Okay, next up, a very great poet. Can't see her, but you will see her soon. Give it up for Emily Blair. Tunics plot, boys in the cafeteria laugh at my underwear. 
travel through the neutral zone at warp speed 8, then slowly past the pizza parlor, bumper to bumper. The whole universe looks alike. Same terrain, same sky. We kick over the traces of the long-dead civilization and do donuts in the parking lot. We disguise ourselves as Romans, as revolutionaries, as robots in revealing jumpsuits, until we're betrayed by our bloodshot eyes and sloppy salute. When did this research mission go so wrong? We blew our budget on old rickrack and Reynolds wrap, so now we're stuck on the surface in this small town, waiting for the phone to ring or space to rift. Yesterday, you met Mirror Me, the rude one in the weird shirt. You seem to be mostly synthetic. Today, I'm screaming in a plastic cylinder when you materialize in a fog bank to borrow my favorite sweater. Your mind is wiped by an alien obelisk. I'm showered with spores. But we can still laugh at the same dumb jokes. Now I'm a trail of crystals, and you are the jukebox brain that runs the joint. Then both of us are outlines filled with swirling glitter. Let's blow this popsicle stand. Thank you, Emily. Uh, next up is someone who pronounced his last name tonight and I realize I was pronouncing it wrong for like the whole time I've known him. Next up is Timothy Rujic. What is it for real? <laughs> you say it when you come up. Give it up for Timothy. It's Boychik. It's not even close. <laughs> the place where you will kill me. I walk over the hill, through the forest, to the place near the pond where you will kill me. I play a game where I imagine and act out all the possible ways it might happen, using nothing but dead leaves as the implements. I pick up a twig and mark a silhouette in the dirt where I plan to ultimately lie down. You show up wearing nothing but a ratty sheet over your head, with holes cut out for your eyes, humming slowly and moving in circles. We tumble down the hill and take a dip in the pond. We build a cottage and spend our nights joking about my untimely impending death. Years later, when you kill me, it's like this. Finding a small door behind a dresser in your childhood home opening that door and crawling through. Thank you, Timothy. Timothy Wojcik. Wojcik. Everyone remember that. Wojcik. By the way, if you want to tag any of these, I, I'm live tweeting this as I, as I can. You can. I'm doing like five things over there. So let's give me a round of applause, please. I'm live tweeting, I'm taking photos, I'm emceeing this motherfucker, and uh, I'm recording this motherfucker as well. I don't even know how it's possible, but it's like I'm a Swiss army knife. <laughs> anyway, uh, use the hashtag BrokenPoetsYop if you want to tweet about any lines you hear, it's a good thing. Uh, shower the poets with love. Next up is Muriel Clifford. She's got some words from Beyonce for you. 
fiance a valentine. <laughs> you said gender is a social construct, but I think I'll keep you anyway. I follow Beyonce, her hand on the controls of the audio mixer, wedding rings sparkling over the system of switches and buttons. Glide, record, play, trim, isolate. I said you can take my dress off. On Instagram, Bay and Blue show off their converse, and Blue eats the rainbow birthday cake. Elsewhere on Facebook, the hashtag Cinderella Shoecam spins. The glass slippers dazzle uncomfortably. I walk towards you, they love the way I walk because I walk with a vengeance. I walk towards you in the snow, I had to wear my snow boots, but if you lean in and they listen to me when I talk because I ain't pretending. Close, <laughs> real close, you'll smile, Chance by Chanel, and maybe notice my new haircut. And you listen to me when I talk because, like the tattoo on your arm says, Viva la Revolucion, and Bay has 34.3 million followers and is following zero. <laughs> Thank you, Muriel. I should say there is one poet who couldn't be here tonight, uh, whose poem I will be reading once I find it on my phone. <laughs> it's here somewhere. Next up, before we get there, is Lars Miller. Give it up for Lars. Tracy May Fouad, if you came to the Brooklyn Poets Retreat, not only was she a good poet, but she cooked for all of us. I'm not saying that should influence you. Since she's not here, I'm trying to give her a little help. I think she wrote that poem on the way here that night. That was one exception, one exception to the rule, but she has since revised it, just so you know. Yes. Yes, she did say she wrote it on it, but it was a special circumstance, as you will see from the title. It's called Thoughts in the Future in Front of the Shark Tank After You've Been Fired. <laughs> the beast my size cuts past the glass like a thin silver sausage. I wish him out of the tank and 20 kids press a few hundred fingers against the inch of glass, each leaving its own print. If the shark didn't have that overbite stuck with hangnail teeth, he would scare me. Don't get too hung up on it. Go ride the cyclone. Go get a day job. Go get day drunk. Go fuck a dolphin. Don't say I love you. Please stop pretending. Please still be inside that human suit. If not, go beg your way back in. 
Hope that the world won't unzip you. Notice your theory of everything is getting kind of crumbly lately. Notice where the sense-making stops. Go save a whale. Go find another like you. Stop spinning stories. Look in a mirror. Don't you know I'm sorry for something? Don't you know the doctor's out? Don't you know I've left this shell, this little limbed hell? I'm out over Coney Island feeding on screams and secondhand thrills. I threw a crab in the trash today. How was that for fucked up? I threw up all my sentiment on my front stoop, and it turned into innards, slick and coiled in a two-gallon pile. How's that for an omen? I let myself be sandwashed, stripped to ligament and fat reserves. See, the me of me could fit inside a beer can. See, I'm just a vehicle for something else. We all have our shards. And some among you still see shadows, even when it's overcast. All of them, oil stains, slinking away. Tracy May Wood. I think I'm going to vote for that one myself. God, that was a damn good reading. Don't you think? Okay, next up in the flesh is Laura Plaster. Give it up for Laura. sunrise and reality bites, imagining myself as the earnest girl that breaks through his facade of apathy, that really makes him care, first about me and then the world, made wash his hair in his plaid shirt and write me songs. My freshman year of college, I spent my time winning Seth over with my earnestness and getting him to care. He played me songs, left a rose outside my dorm room, and walked me home. And it's amazing how I can't remember what I learned in world religions or urban sociology, but I can remember the fake Birkenstocks I wore on our first date because Seth was on the short side and they were my flattest shoes. It's been a while since I've watched those movies, and I can't think of the last time I tried to change somebody with my earnestness or even change myself a little. I talked to this 22-year-old intern, and she's so pretty and foolish. I could listen to her all night, but I also want her to stop, and I realize I'm unshowered and my shirt's unwashed, and oh my goodness, I've become 90s Ethan Hawke, <laughs> but some earnest young thing won't shatter my indifference, because I'm a woman, and I'm married, and I don't believe that's how it works anyway. Besides, Ethan did all right for himself. He wrote a novel, and there's boyhood, <laughs> reminding me there's a difference between seeming to care and actually getting shit done. So thank you, Troy, and thank you, Jesse, and thank you, Ethan. Here's to not showering because you're too busy getting off trains and writing songs and falling in love. Thank you, Laura. Great poem. By the way, you should sign up for The Bridge. That poem was featured on The Bridge. It's the iPad is over there. That's what that's for. If you don't know what that is, Talk to Daniel, he'll tell you everything. He also relayed a message. 
Take your fucking glasses downstairs when you're done. Okay? He didn't say fucking, but I've added that for 61 local. <laughs> and all of our volunteer interns, uh, interns, interns who are working here for free, so please help them out by bringing your, you know, what do they call it? Bussing your shit? Right, Penny? Buss your shit. At the end. You can see I have a foul mouth that was very well trained by my parents. Okay, next up is one of our interns in the back. He is a lethal motherfucker. Give it up for Jonathan Clarence. about what the color of my eyes were. You wouldn't ask. In case you hadn't noticed, they're gold. They have always been this color and you have always been late to notice the smallest thing that matters most. The beauty they always beheld. No one's ever asked about my eyes. So dismissed they are. Were. I continue to smile with my high-quality synthetic blonde finger-wave wig, brushed out like the baby, Brooklyn 1970s, too hot for summer afros, and Jean-Paul Gaultier should have conceived. I hoped for peace to be with my surroundings, the North, the South, the East, and the West. If you were to see me then, you'd have to be just above the clouds and in the air. You blew me away like you blow away a feather. You saw me as something light, not even someone light. Just something. Did you see how I saw you? All I had left was all that I believed would complete me. My sleeveless gold sequin dress painted onto my skin, a mint cigarette and the abandoned diner surrounded by a field of forget-me-nots waving forever for the hope of your standing tall. <laughs> that diner was my sanctuary. It was my saving, willing grace. It the diner reached for the sun so hard that it drifted into the sky. It was only me and those things. All of that and a bucket full of red paint to balance my floating humble abode. Every morning I'd wake up, pick a forget-me-not, and watch it fall down to you. Then I'd let my body sprawl out because there was nothing left to do but be open to what was above me. Today I had to run. These creatures, big eagles, flew above my home. They studied me without giving me a moment to find their eyes. They opened their beaks and screeched till I cringed. They screeched like I had done something wrong and deserved to pay for it. I ran for the diner, small, empty, and filled with malt powder and ketchup. I hid behind the register and began to pray. The eagle's claws tore the roof off and my wig flew away with the wind. Their wings did the rest. Hoping they had gone, I peeked out to find no more forget-me-nots. Alive, that is. No more obvious sign that I was saving myself in a run-down restaurant from middle America. Just as they began to leave, I shouted, no! They flew back with more speed. I ran back inside of what was left at the diner. I ran into the closet. My home was dying. The grass disturbed. Microlabs lost. and imagination forgotten. We began to fall. I began to fall, and 
we blew through the clouds faster and faster, and we crashed. It rained red paint everywhere, and the eagles heard me inhale beneath the entire diner under burnt forget-me-nots and memories of us, and they loved joking that my eyes, gold and scrambled, went bad, so bad, they reeked of truths and honesty, and that killed my soul, and I'm still fucking here. Thank you, Jonathan. Next up, we have two poets left. Holy crap. Make sure you know who you're voting for, or that might change in the next five minutes. Next up is Sam Coggin. Give it up for Sam. <laughs> Sam here, Ricky? No. I guess Sam is out of the running. <laughs> Sam is out of the running. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's all give a big sigh for Sam. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I'm sure all the other poets that are competing are like, yes. Okay, last poet of the night. Man, he killed it the last yacht with this poem. Please get up for Arthur Russell. understood and accepted, except from my father, from whom I wanted to be appreciated, but he did not believe in praise. If I got a 96, he thought it was thrifty to ask where the other four points went, because acknowledging success was prideful. I was so hungry for his praise, I got to know his mind as ancient Greek sailors knew the islands of the Aegean, how their shapes rose on the horizon, conjuring their olive groves and the monsters in their caves. I searched his inconsistencies for deeper, hidden consistencies. I listened for approval in the caverns of his silence and read his eyes for signs that weren't there from boy to man, and still he was ahead of me, withholding praise, holding out the possibility of praise, and withholding praise again. Then he got sick and burial, and spent the last two years of his life in a bed in a home that smelled like an evacuated fowl that had been washed with He was embarrassed by immobility and proud in his mind. He took no visitors and referred to himself as the potato in the bed, and to his antidepressant pills that they gave him as nursing home not so bad. 
His legs swelled, grew purple, oozed pus, scabbed over. He spoke as slowly as oak trees. His fingers were smooth flesh purses of stymied bone. And yet, when he could no longer reach the control that made his bed rise, he invented a string with a three-eighths inch nut tied to one end and looped over the bed rail to help him fish it up. Patient, as a prisoner planning an impossible escape, he loved his engineering. He loved his invention. He loved his mind. His weight dropped. His eyes were failing. Sunday afternoons that autumn, we were watching the Jets when he said, shake me. I looked at him sideways. He blinked and smiled winsomely, almost coquettishly, like a high cloud on a summer day. Like a baby. Shake me like a baby. I knelt astride him on the bed and threaded my fingers under his shoulder blades. I lifted a little, then let go. Faster, he said, like the air rushing out of a tire when you depress the pin in the mouth. So I went faster, maybe one pulse every two seconds, up an inch, down again. Then he began to move so low, I couldn't hear it, just a vibration in my chest, and the whales off Manhattan Beach breached and fell back into the water. It was crying, but not the regular kind, because he was talking with someone I had never known. And then he fell asleep. I got off the bed and sat in the chair again, and the jets were losing, and the linoleum was thick with wax. And I imagined the factory in Germany where they make the big steel rollers, the smell of bitumen. And I dreamed they were slicing the linoleum <coughs> into squares and putting it into boxes. And then we both woke up. And I went home. The next week, he said, I asked mother to shake me. He said, no, embarrassed. Then I mounted the bed, found his shoulder blades, and did it again. Strange massage for the places that his heart had ceased to serve. And this time, he moaned loudly and shivered and dropped into a thick, robust, snoring sleep as if it was 1943 and all the other men were off at war and he and his friend Artie had all the girls to themselves and woke up in their cars at dawn, disheveled, dirty, thick-lipped, thirsty, sure of themselves and what came next. When he woke, he asked for water. And then we watched the Jets, though he couldn't see much more than the field of twice asked me to score. Then, with his voice so low, only a motion detector could hear him, he asked, 
Why is it no one understands me but you? One more big round of applause for all of our participants. Going to be hard to choose, but choose you must, and choose was. (laughs) My intern, Daniel going to have the responsibility of looking at my phone and making sure there are no multiple boats boats coming from the same number. If that happens, both of your boats will be disqualified and you will be spanked by Daniel and Jonathan and all of my other interns and Ricky. Oh, I 718-374-1953 is the number to text in your vote. Yes. We haven't decided yet. Say the number again, please. Oh, that will be announced next month. Just hold on. <laughs> Very excited. We haven't counted that yet. That, that will be announced next month. Uh, the, oh, yeah, hold on. Let me repeat the names. One sec. Can you say your number again? Yes, one sec. Okay, the number again is 718-374-1953. And here are the poets' names. Emily Blair, right here. Poem called The Deadly. No, we, that's not a plug. It will take too long. Not that I. That's what I'm doing. Just hold on. I'm not a patient person, I'm sorry. I was just starting until you interrupted me. <laughs> Emily Blair, The Deadly Years. But really, just give the poet's name. That's probably easiest. Emily Blair. Jonathan Clarence, This Wednesday. Muriel Clifford, Beyonce, A Valentine. Nicole Siegelman, Coffee Break, My Heart. Richard Fine, what's that called again, Richard? A Great Deal. A Great Deal, but the pinup girl. Tracy May Fuad, title too long for me to repeat, the one about getting fired and then going to see the Shark Tank. Lars Miller, Black Acre. Laura Plaster, The Importance of Being Ethan. Arthur Russell, uh, The Whales Off Manhattan Beach, Breach in the Winter. Something like that. But his father. Ed Tony, Isle Number 5. And Timothy Vojcik. Vojcik, sorry. Oh, you all remember. What's your poem called again? Oh, The Place Where You Will Kill Me, of course. Timothy Vojcik. Yes. Those are our 11 poets of the night, so uh, send in your vote right now. Uh, while this is being done, I'm going to give my phone uh, phone to, to Daniel, and then we're going to announce the author of the year. So one moment, and think about it. Mull in your heads.
Okay. Please don't leave. <laughs> Ever. Tony, why are you leaving? I'm totally calling you out. Okay. Rosa, you guys are breaking my heart. <laughs> okay, so while we are voting, we have two special readings left. Uh, we are going to announce the Yawper of the Year in a moment, but before we announce the uh, let me say a little bit about the Yawper of the Year Award. So this is the first year we've done the Poem of the Year contest, which is a fun thing that we've added. Last year was the first year we did the Yawper of the Year, which is an award not just for a, a standout poet in our community, but also a poet who we feel is strongly supportive of other poets, because one thing we like at Brooklyn Poets is nice people. <laughs> not just good poets. It's not enough, at least to me, if you're a good poet. If you're an asshole, don't fuck yourself, really. You are not welcome here. Seriously, you don't have to come back. But the Yomper of the Year is a positive force. Not only is a great poet, but is really warm and supportive of other poets. That means a lot more than you think. I see it firsthand. I didn't used to know it when I myself was an asshole and didn't support other poets. I've been there, which is why... I now mock those people, but uh, when you you know run events and run an organization like this, you see how important that is, because what is community but a place that you like to come back to, right? You don't want to come back to a place that you don't feel welcome. So we all know what it's like when it's the other way. So without further ado, let me welcome the author of the year for 2014. He's going to read a poem. Please give it for Ricky Hernandez. Thank you, Jason Coombs. Thank you, Brooklyn Poets. It has been a fabulous year. I'm not even going to say anything else. I'm just going to get into this poem. Break out your dictionaries. <laughs> arrested for spelling with intent. I was arrested for spelling with intent while in possession of deadly vowels. The intent I would inspire people in using words converse correctly, holding on to my deadly vowels as I intertwine ciphered alphabets. By zigzagging yearly, this xenobiotic wanderer descends vicariously upward towards serious connection, guiding ruffians to quell political oppressors when exposing nanomachine laboratory nights. Being a jugglery introvert hacking governments whilst forever exposing the world's most dehumanizing cultures of their blasphemer aesthetics that arrogantly belittle cultivated dialects across our economized fearful bombs. These graveyard humanities teach iconoclastic jargonists to be kilowatt laureates as they mitigate navigators and ostracizing false patriots, instructing quiescent rebels daily, utilizing subconscious telepathy unequivocally these voracious Western xenomorphs will be our yawping zealots, our zeitgeist allegorias, our yammering bellicose, our xolophile chameleons that kill witless demigods when vivifying equilibriums, our naturally remaining fearless with uncommon tethered genetics, their receptors selectively harmonize redundant ignoramus flow, <laughs> quibbling at quagmire justice, these plutocratic killjoys will obliterate literacy, nullifying our membership by magnetizing our net worth. Their leverage demands obedient neighboraries to purchase more junk. 
jeopardizing quality with quackery, irrefutable rapacity foaming at the helm of society's deranged economic game driven by tyrannical regimes who fraudulently forge uniformity. Recite epilogue for the Vox Populi by denouncing the wizard within, conforming to a xenocracy life, ushering our begotten youth to be assholes of zenith existence. I was arrested for spelling with intent while in possession of deadly vowels. The intent I would inspire people in using words converse correctly, holding on to my deadly vowels as I intertwine ciphered alphabets. Epigraph key. Third level ocular damage will suspend knowledge aperture lane at the third eon of the sixth procession toward Rigel, Beetlejuice, Bellatrix, Saif. <laughs> Okay, and now for the big moment, or one of the big two. Oh, don't worry, you got more time. All right. <laughs> Our Yelper of the Year for 2015. You know her well. She's here every month. Not only is she really a fantastic poet, uh, but a really strong supporter of other poets. She started her own poetry group, an offshoot of Brooklyn Poets called Sweet Action, which might remind you of the beer. She uh, lives in Brooklyn Heights, where I met her on a tour. I used to be walking tours of Brooklyn Heights back when I had, I guess, not enough to do. That's <laughs> incredible. I used to do that. Now I'm way too busy to do that as well. They were free walking tours. Boy, did you miss your chance when I gave free walking tours to Brooklyn Heights. Uh, I gave like five of those. Uh, Brooklyn Bridge and Brooklyn Heights. Uh, and uh, she's taking a lot of her workshops come to our retreat. Really, uh, there's nothing Julie, Julie Hart has not done, and that is our Yawper of the Year for 
So I'm going to read PN2 Tim Riggins. Woo! I hope that you guys, if you've heard it before, I do not apologize. I hope you know who he is, though, anyway. <laughs> he is not ripped, not steroid freaky, but you have to appreciate the pecs on this guy. Also, the chiseled V that directs your eye to the promising pelvis when I don't easily wax prosaic ones. But those biceps, and then of course the kicker is his utter nonchalance when he, showed, when he throws those square-toed boots up on the coffee table, jeans so well filled out, jeans sonnet. <laughs> then the bad boy long hair, stringy sometimes, not quite as clean as you might hope, the asymmetrical eyebrows above the calm eyes of the Botticelli angel, wronged and wronging tries so hard, it loves like thunder. Every bad and petulant thing he does is for love. He has his ass so sweet, so tight. Handed to him in a handbasket daily. The ones who love him cannot help him. The ones he loves will not. <laughs> he is doomed. He blames himself. To be love is innocence, a place we can only imagine. We know how this turns out. us far faster than to him. We wish we could transform his beauty into truth. I haven't said anything yet about his mouth. <laughs> Undisclosed amount. 
<laughs> Dream large. So keep coming back to the Yop, and uh, maybe you will be Yop of the Year next year. Now, for the winner of Poem of the Year, the votes are in. Winner by quite a significant margin with 17 votes is Arthur Russell. Give it up for Arthur. Membership. You'll be featured as Poet of the Week on our website. Also gets a cash prize, but uh, I'm not going to give it to you yet because I, I realize I have to write your name on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I didn't know who was going to win, so the check was on, on site. Uh, but thank you. Give it up for Arthur one more time. Great job. Yeah. I just want to add that uh, our runner up was Tracy May for oh, <laughs> my myself credit for that. God damn, was that good. Uh, I'm going to find a way to give her a prize as well. Shit. Uh, Tracy, it's amazing when a poet is not here. It speaks to them. Doesn't that, it's like affirming, right? The, the power of the poem itself. You don't need the poet here to kick ass. Okay, thank you very much for coming. Uh, this is the last EOP of the year. Swag in the back is 30% off. And it's a great Christmas gift. You do not have to pay shipping, which is $5.95 on our site. So that is a cost you want to avoid. It's 30% off on our website until December 16th. That is the last day we will accept orders to ship by Christmas if you celebrate that holiday. In the back, it is shipping free, 30% off. Um, donation jar, donation box, a really small box is there. Thank you for coming. Have a great holiday. We will see you in January or at the Brooklyn Poets Workshop Showcase next Monday where our faculty members and students will be reading in one final reading. That is the last event of the year. Thank you very much. There you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop for December 14th, 2015, our very first Yop cast. Congrats to our prize winners, Yopper of the Year, Julie Hart, Poem of the Year winner, Arthur Russell, and Poem of the Month winner for December 2015, Bill Livingston, who has now earned a spot in our Smackdown for Poem of the Year next December 2016. Again, for more information on the Brooklyn Poets Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org slash events slash yop. Our next yop comes your way Monday, January 11th, 2016 at 7 p.m. at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's 61 Bergen Street. We hope to see you there. Until next time.